0: I thought of all these wonderful little introductions and how to get us rolling, but it's just such a great thing to worship with uh, with all of you tonight, and uh, it just gives us a great start. So um, I'm going to invite you to go straight to the, the passage in Acts chapter five. Acts chapter five, beginning with uh, verse eleven, actually, um, and I know that uh, I know that that was already covered last week. So don't. Uh, it's okay. We can read a, a verse. Twice in, in a, a little over a week's time. That's quite all right. Well, this is good. Now I can see. Um, Acts chapter five, beginning with verse eleven. Let me invite you to uh, just take a close look at it. Acts. First of all, I've got to find it. Here we are. Acts chapter five, beginning with verse eleven. And this is the conclusion, as you know, of 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 the situation with Ananias and Sapphira having. Um, had a little problem, and, uh, and that, their little problem turned into quite the problem. And, uh, and this is kind of the, the reason I'm reading verse 11. It sets the stage uh, for the next passage, you know. And, uh, and I don't know how I managed to do this, Mike, but, but I got the summary uh, of, of progress, and we'll talk about that in a moment, twice out of the three times it summarized. So it's kind of exciting. Um, it challenged me a bit, so, which, which is good. Uh, Verse 11, he says, And great fear came over the whole church, and over all who heard of these things. What things? Well, obviously, the things happening regarding uh, Ananias and Sapphira. So great fear came over the whole church. Makes sense, I would think. Uh, I I would be a little nervous about being a member of that church. Um, Mike, if anybody starts dropping off here, I don't know. I might not want to hang around too closely with you guys, but this what happened. At the hands, verse 12, at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits And they were all being healed. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you want to thank you so much for your word that teaches us, speaks to us regarding your truth, regarding what you want us to know. Lord, we pray that as we spend this time together tonight, that we uh, we would really listen to your spirit and that we'll act on the things that you're telling us. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I find it very interesting, by the way, that um, that you hand the uh, the, uh, the probably the most Baptist around here uh, a passage that speaks of all these signs and wonders. You know that that I I am not sure who planned that, but that's cool. I like it. Um, but uh, but one of the things that I notice about this passage, just as we begin, is when we sense God at work, we renew our passion for Christ and the kingdom of God. When we sense God is at work, it renews us, right? We get kind of excited. We're, we're ready to move forward. And, and really, this is what's taking place right now in, in, the, in the church as it's just beginning to grow and beginning to see some things happening. And, uh, and this is, by the way, the third time, as I mentioned, that Luke provides a summary of um, a, a paragraph relating to the progress of the expanding kingdom of God. Now, Jesus had spoken for, for those three years prior. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand, and now you see the expansion of that kingdom of God. For the while, Jesus walked, it was kind of like up and down, off and on, and you might think, well, if, if, actually, if you had been uh, uh, one of these, these, uh, these early followers, you would think that this kind of ended in a, on a downer, you know? I mean, after all, Jesus was crucified, a handful of people hanging around him, the rest ran the other direction. And so you might not think he was all that successful, but he was setting up the plan or the stage for the kingdom of God to be spread throughout all the earth. And that's what's taking place now. And, uh, and, and the first time now, going back, the first time, the first summary back in chapter 2 followed Peter's first great sermon when 3,000 people turned to Christ. That's pretty good. That was a good movement. And, and feelings of awe prevailed. The apostles were performing signs and wonders. The new believers were focusing on the teaching of the apostles. They spent time in fellowship, prayer, worship, sharing their possessions with all who were in need. That was a good passage. I liked that one. It was fun. I enjoyed preaching on that one. Yeah, that was good. The second time, the second time, occurred right after the first bout of persecution and the awesome prayer meeting that followed. Remember, the one that shook the earth? Mike, we got to start having those kind of prayer meetings, right? I keep talking to you just because you're there, you know. I could turn this way and I could say, Sam, we need to have, start having those prayer meetings, don't we? You know, those that shake the earth, I like those kind. And, uh, and so, so this, this followed that. And uh, of course, it uh, followed the prayer meeting, but there was also this persecution out there. And, uh, and now there's a little bit of trouble. And, and, and the summation focused in that case on the increasing oneness of the congregation leading up to the significant sh- of, uh, sharing of property, including Barnabas selling all this, the lands, the buildings, and the property that he had and say, give, laying the, the proceeds at the feet of the apostles, right? Oh, that was a cool, good time. But it also had its negative side. It was so good that a couple of people pretended to do the same thing, and so they laid the proceeds, partial proceeds, at the fo- at the feet of the apostles, and uh, and that this time, of course, it wasn't so good. Um, the very thing that that very thing they they. Uh, really kind of I call it Ananias and Sapphira's fiasco Uh, it really kind of led to their death didn't it it was not a good picture you know about that last week you've got it this time this time the third time like the first time signs and wonders factor into this pick this uh, the situation they were accomplished uh, through the apostles each time. Now, I, I want you to just be aware of that because whenever you talk about signs and wonders, you do need to see where it's coming from. You know, in this case, it's the apostles. Each time, the apostles are, the, are kind of the instrument that God is using in that process. Now, I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure what those signs were. I always kind of wonder. Like, I mean, I understand the healing. That's down later in this passage. Uh, that I get. No, You know, it's kind of clear and understand, but I don't know. It doesn't say. It just says sign, wonders, actually it goes wonders and signs were happening uh, in the, in that, among the people at that time, among the, the followers of Christ, among, in the church that was taking place. However, I am sure that they were intended, yeah, get this right, they were intended to open the eyes of the people to the results of the resurrection of Christ and to link the teachings of the apostles to the life and teachings of Jesus. Now we knew that Jesus was performing signs and wonders. Now the apostles' teaching is coming about and they're beginning to lay out the gospel story to the world and there's a big movement. The signs and wonders now are intended to bring attention to that connection because the whole world is now seeing this. Signs and wonders have a place and purpose in the kingdom of God. Signs and wonders do have a place in the purpose of the kingdom of God. They are usually, by the way, present when the church is expanding into unreached territory. In modern days, if you hear about signs and wonders, I'm not talking about the things that go on in in uh, in certain churches that are 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 kind of unusual and strange, I'm talking about where it's happened strategically in the world today, and, it, and it's most often appearing in where a, when a missionary is entering into a new field, an unreached people. People have not been touched with anything of the gospel. They've never heard, they've never seen, they've never understood. Quite often in, in areas where superstition or and or uh, demonic kind of uh, idol worship is going on. And I'm just kind of laying that out there. I don't understand it. I'm putting that out there for you to chew on and kind of set aside. Don't panic. I'm not a heretic. All right? I'm just kind of laying out what I see, what I hear, and... Uh, so I think that they do. Personally, my opinion is I think they still have place at certain times. In other words, I'm not a cessationist. For those of you who are like theologians who want to think about that. Um, don't hate my guts for it. I, need, I also don't do any of that. Okay? I don't speak in tongues. I don't, um, I haven't performed a miracle in my life. You know, like, like, you know, our sign. Okay? I have prayed and things have happened. God has done something. That's God's doing. When considering signs and wonders, we must recognize, though, the potential for being misled. See, I'm going to flip the the sides here for a moment. It's important when we address that. You're looking at it, you're seeing it, it's there, it's in the Bible. You know, I mean, sometimes I wish it wasn't, so it'd be easier for me to preach. But throughout Scripture, examples are there of miracles, or the miraculous, gone awry. Pharaohs, sorcerers, think about those guys and his magicians, his his wise men. They were able to perform many of the signs that God did through Moses. Remember? They they didn't say, yet they had a different meaning attached. So there are miracles happening through godless men with a different meaning attached. Moses did the miracle and they had a meaning. The meaning was to bring attention to the God who was about to deliver His people out of, out of captivity of Egypt, right? Well, they, 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 His servants did the same thing. His magicians did the same thing. There's evidence that boy, just because there are miracles occurring does not mean the miracle is from God. We've got to understand that. When the day of judgment comes, according to Jesus, many will say to me, He says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and in Your name perform many miracles? This one scares me. And then Jesus said, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from Me, you who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness. So there are going to be some people who claim to be doing this in the name of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. And they're not going to be genuine followers of Him. That's getting a little closer. I get it when we talk about Pharaoh's guys. But we're talking now about people who claim Jesus. But don't know Him. Or He doesn't know them. And speaking of the last days, Jesus said, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show what? Great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Just in case you're wondering, that's us. That's us. There are warnings in Scripture. Scripture abounds with warnings. Don't be misled. We can be misled. We are the elect, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. We can be misled, it says in that passage. And we're even warned about the lawless one, The one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. You might wonder why I keep saying this. I just kind of want to drive the point home. I want to drive the point home. Signs and wonders can get people's attention, they get mine, they might get yours. But there has to be another more compelling reason about what is being taught. I don't choose what is right and wrong based on a sign or a miracle or anything that happens. I have to base my belief and my trust in something more than a miracle. The miracle gets my attention, but it does not solve the reality. When you talk to people today, one of the most... I'm stepping away from my nose. My wife says don't do this. But um, when you talk to people today... About some things that are miraculous, and you will hear many who who seek out advice from mediums and and uh, and uh, uh, psychics and those kinds of things. You can flip on the uh, television on cable. You can go to your internet. You can go to meetings in many places. I I don't I don't know the places here. I know them in Buffalo. I don't really know them here, which is fine. But there 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 are places you can go, and hear a psychic tell you all kinds of things. They have big conventions, and hundreds, even thousands of people attend these things, looking for some answers, looking for something amazing, and amazing things happen. Folks, just because a miracle occurs does not mean it's from God. It also does not mean it's not real. Those things are real, but they're from the wrong side of truth. Get it? Well, maybe I made that point. But in this case, it's different. That, uh, that reason, I think, at least is somewhat found. The way, how can we identify? How can we discern between truth and error? I think there's something in this verse that gives us that. And I'm, by the way, I'm just still in verse 12. I haven't gotten out of verse 12 yet. I won't be out. That's my longest point, by the way. Uh, they get really short as time goes on. Uh, you might be glad to know that. that. That reason, at least in part, is found in the same verse. Luke tells us they were all in one accord. They were all in one accord, and that wasn't a Honda. It was not a stuffing, car stuffing contest. Um, that was—I mean, some people say that was the first car stuffing contest. I don't know, but in this case, they were all in, in one accord. I, by the way, this 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 phrase has been repeated more than once in Acts. It keeps coming up. It keeps coming up. It's—it's—I it's, mentioned it before, right? It's, it's, this is—it this, keeps coming up. But they were all in one accord. in this phrase, they, they, they had literally one passion. They had one passion. And I, that's really what this is saying. They have one passion. It's the, it's the same where we saw a few weeks ago indicating they were rushing along in unison. That musical term of uh, of, of the uh, of the symphony all going the same direction rushing down trying to get to the same end and this is this is the same word they were all in one accord they were in unison they were going the same direction here is a group of people gathered together in Solomon's porch many not knowing each other before this time they are still acting with one mind with one mind you have to admit something unique is happening now let's see where are we at let's go to the next one can we Ah, that's where I want to be. I just want you to see Solomon's portico or his porch. Okay, I'm using the term porch because that's what I've got. Of course, mine doesn't look quite like that. Um, my porch is about this square, you know, in the front of my house. Uh, this porch, now you, don't, you may not realize how large that is. This is, of course, a model, but this is, the, is Solomon's, a model of Solomon's porch, and um, uh, you gotta you gotta understand what's happening here. It's uh, notice that that it is about 800 feet by approximately 500 feet, based on my little what I could kind of figure out. All right, doesn't look quite right to me, but I'm I'm get, I'm just going by the, the dimensions I gave. It's really a, uh, I think a, um, well I don't want to go by cubits because it doesn't help you anyway. Each of those pillars are about hundred feet tall. Okay. Kind of get a do you get a feel for that place? I mean it's huge. It's open. This, all could see, the public could see. What was going on? This is where, by the way, Jesus taught here a number of times. Now the church is having a tendency to gather out here in this under this cover of Solomon's porch and they're spending their time teaching and learning and worshiping and praising God. This is what's taking place there. These miracles are kind of taking place there. All could see the church met, get this, in front of everyone. The church met in front of everyone. Wouldn't that be cool if what we did instead of meeting here that we just kind of gathered at the, at the um, um, uh, Destiny USA and kind of g- gathered around in the food court kind of had some chairs set up there and, and we gathered there and worshipped and praised God together there in front of everyone and they saw our unity as we were worshipping together and meeting with God and boy, maybe even miracles would sign. Oh, I don't know, that would make me nervous. I'm a lot safer in here. You guys love me whether you like me or not, and you have to. So that works out. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, Francis Schaefer pointed out that Christian community is the final apologetic. Christian community is the final apologetic. You know, I like apologetics, and I like to talk about how do how do we give evidence of the gospel. I love studying all those things. I mean, it's just it's interesting, right? But, you know, most apologetics never convince anybody of anything, but this one does. This one does. When they see us operating, you know, you guys, I don't know, I wish you could just stand here and see what I see. I mean, what what an odd bunch you are. You know? I mean, in the normal world, I don't know that you guys would really get along with each other all that much. You're very different. I know your backgrounds, many of you. You're kind of like, each of you do different things. You live different lifestyles. And for one thing, you're putting up with me. You know? I mean, Paul's like, how in, how in the world do we have fellowship? You know? And, and yet, you know, we're close. You know? But different. It's the apologetic that it convinces the world of the truth of our claim. Oh, there are groups out there, but they don't get along. They don't trust each other. They don't know that they can trust. You know, I can trust myself completely to you. You're not going to let me down. Oh, you might let me down little things. I might get mad at you and want to whack you upside the head, but you know what? I've got license to do that, and we're okay. We know that. We can do that kind of thing. Christian community. That's what I think these people were seeing. And when, when when the miracles were happening. It wasn't just the miracles. The miracles drew attention. They saw it, but they saw the community. Wow, look at these people. They're changed. They're different. Look how they love each other. Ephesians 4 gives us a better understanding of the source and significance of unity among the emerging, emerging church. And I don't mean the emergent church, okay? Just so you guys know. I'm not that much of a heretic. Emerging church. In, look at Ephesians 4. You know Ephesians 4, right? Ephesians, well, not the whole you know, chapter, uh, but, but look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse, beginning of verse 11. We talk about that a lot here in, in, uh, in Renovation Church. But you know, before, beginning of verse 11, he says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers, what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until, verse 13, we all attain to the unity of faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature man. Now, I could go on. The result, verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. You know, it just, the truth comes out. Why? Because God has appointed that there be apostles and, and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers so that we can all be equipped so that we can all be unified so that we can understand the truth and the truth then goes forth. I like that. And it builds up this body in faith. If I'd remembered I'd wrote that in the message I wouldn't have to turn to it. But the apostles provided the leadership for the church in Jerusalem. At Renovation Church, I think we understand this. Uh, these are gifts uh, to the church. Not necessarily spiritual gifts, but gifts to the church that, that are to be lived out by the leadership team. Providing the church with clarity of vision and purpose. And equipping us all for unity and spiritual growth. The second thing I want us to talk about is in verse Verse 13. Now, in verse 13, oops, I gotta go back. Verse 13 of Acts. In verse 13, he says that uh, but none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held him in high esteem. You know, when people see God at work among his people, they, they fear God and respect God's people. You know, the first groups of people in this story were the church leaders in the existing church. You know, they were in all they were all up there in that in that portico up there, and so they're all hanging out there. And and uh, and but the leaders were there, giving the message out. The existing church was there. Their involvement was at the center of God's activity. That's kind of neat. They, they're, they're, God was at work among them. The second group, though, was this non-believing or what I call pre-Christian observers. And I, I do believe there are such things as, as pre-Christians. They're kind of, they there, they're watching, they're curious, but they're kind of keeping their distance and you can't blame them. Uh, I, I suspect they were standing around outside that porch we saw earlier and, and watching in amazement. I call it holy gossip. I think holy gossip's good. That's when people start talking about you. It's okay, by the way, people are talking about you and what it is is those people, there's something different about them. You know, that doesn't mean you have to be weird. Um, some of us are. But, uh, but holy gossip has brought many people to the threshold of faith throughout history. Many people just kind of like they start hearing that noise and they start kind of gravitating there. They have heard of the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira. Don't, isn't it weird how we kind of gravitate to that kind of thing? Somebody dies suddenly, somebody dies in a strange way. We're kind of like, oh, tell me more, tell me more, you know? I mean, how many of you aren't going to go home and kind of get onto your, your tablets or your computer or so, something, or you've already done that while you're sitting there, because I, I, I'm not that good about that, but, and you've kind of checked out what happened in the accident over on 57. You know, my daughter called me, she says, she's the one that brought it up, you know, immediately I'm over here on the computer, oh, what is it, you know, and I'm very concerned about that. But we gravitate towards those kinds of things that seem tragic and so unexplainable Um, that they've heard about those deaths and they they are seeing the signs and wonders brought on by the Holy Spirit through the apostles, but they fear the consequences of moving closer. They're going to keep their distance. Perhaps it's the fear of death or judgment. Perhaps it's awe of an unfamiliar manifestation of God. Whatever it is, they apparently uh, hold a high respect for the people of God. You know? They hold a high respect, but they aren't ready for further commitment. They see that they're up to something. By the way, the only reason the church is not respected today is because of the church. When we connect with God, there'll be respect for His church. We need to connect once again with the living God who changes our lives changes our lives, makes us a different people I like the wording of this verse, none of the rest dared to associate with them King James says durst, don't you like that? Right, durst I don't know what durst means, it must be dared, <laughs> okay, but none of them durst associate with them, I don't know, I just thought it was cool so I had to think about it, you know Anyway, they 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 in no way wanted to get into the middle of this and join themselves with this clearly unified and perhaps a bit crazy group of people under the porch. They could see there was sort of a glue that held them together. Like a like in a good marriage. In fact, the, the word's the same. This joining together. You know, when you got married, you know, it's like you became one, right? You am know, like you're no longer two. You're one. You're stuck together. And anytime you take something that stuck together and pull it apart, what happens? It rips. To shreds. Take two pieces of paper, put them together, glue them together, and try to tear them apart. See what happens. Just put them face to face. Yeah, it rips to shreds. Therefore, don't mess it up. That's, that's the Bissell version of saying, whatever God has joined together, don't, not the land, put asunder. right? Okay? Don't mess it up. Don't tear it up. This is your marriage. You're talking about, well, this same word. They didn't want to join in. They didn't want to get stuck with this crowd. They didn't want... However, the church is like that when it's operating right. There's a closeness that knits us together and we're really kind of inseparable. Not quite like a husband and wife. But the word is the same. But I think the world loses respect for the church when the church lacks a singularity of passion. You know what are you passionate about? You know people call me all the time an Aggie. I went to Texas A and M. Okay, just admit it. That's full disclosure. People call me. And say you're gonna watch the game. They're passionate about the Aggies. I forgot about watching the game. I, once again, I'm not passionate about the Aggies. I'm passionate about God. I'm passionate about His kingdom. I'm passionate about reaching Liverpool, Clay, Baldwinsville with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you passionate about? What you're going to do for Thanksgiving? I hope that when you, do whatever you do for Thanksgiving, you have a passion for the one you're giving thanks to. It'll show. And when we are unified, people may not join us, but they will at least respect who we are. Our unity is in the nature and character of Christ. We cannot expect a good show to impress the world. You know, you can go to Broadway and get a good show, right? I, I suppose. I've never actually gone to a show in Broadway, probably never will. But you can get a good show in Broadway, at Broadway, and you can, you can find talented people putting on that show. But the church is something different. It's not about the fact that we have talented people. By the way, thank you so much for being talented, and we appreciate that. The, the leading of worship. But that's not going to draw people to here. That's drawing us who are here into the presence of God. That's, what, that's, that's why you're there. That's why you do what you do. Um. The church is something different. By the way, I'm all the way down to the third point. When, when the reality of God's activity and power becomes evident, people turn to Him. Now this is that part that just drives me crazy. And that's why I can't make it the shortest, so I don't have to deal with all these details. Besides, that time is going to run out on me. But he says, at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. Oh, yeah, verse 14, right? Verse 14. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. That one I like. That one I can get. But then verse 15, and to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. And there's all kinds of other miracles and healings taking place. They were coming from all over the, the cities around. We cannot be sure how many people, by the way, are represented by the statement that all the more believers were constantly added. But we can know that it was significant. Luke used the term, that he liked, called multitude. a you, Multitude, or in the Greek, a plethos. Don't you love it when somebody uses Greek from the pulpit? You know, I think it's cool. You know? But plethos, where we get our word plethora from. A plethora of people. And I love that. Okay, we got a plethora of people. I didn't know what plethora means anyway, but, but it's a cool word. And so we use this cool word plethora. What's happening is, that's why, because I thought, why does he say men and women? Why does he say that? I mean, couldn't he just say people? Men and women. He said people, that's a difference. People, all kinds of people are coming into the kingdom. That's what he's talking about. All kinds of people, a plethora of men and women kept on being added to their number. We can see this as many, I think it's true, but we can understand it's as people from all walks of life, from all backgrounds, men and women multicultural Jewish. That's what it is. It's multicultural Jewish taking place from all around the world. And the subject of healing comes to play heavily in this section of Scripture. In verse 15, the people already in the area and who were responding to the gospel were bringing their sick out to be healed. The holy gossip reached well beyond the walls of Jerusalem. And the people brought their loved ones in needing healing and restoration from their surrounding city. So this is what's taking place. Now, I mentioned that, but I'm going to go to the conclusion. So I'm going to go to the next slide, if you will. Um, this is a word to our leaders. This is just, you guys who are leaders, I don't know who's a leader. So if you're a leader, this is a word to you from this passage. As the hearts of Christian leaders undergo the renovation under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they will solidify the union of purpose, direction, and a tight relationship with God. That's what we who are leaders, those of you who are leaders, should be doing. The glue that holds the church together in powerful unity is squeezed out of her leaders. It's squeezed out of her leaders. By the way, that's not a very comfortable thing. Leaders who are closely tracking with Christ in complete abandonment to Him. You understand what I'm saying? As God squeezes you, and you let Him squeeze you, as you sacrifice yourself for the kingdom of God and for His church, it's going to glue that church together. This is a word to outsiders looking in. Let's go to the next slide. When you see God doing the miraculous... Now, some of you, I don't know you guys, some of you guys, and I don't know you very well, and some of you maybe are insiders, but really outsiders. I don't know that I can say. But for outsiders, when you see God doing miraculous, the miraculous among a unified group of people, you have a clear opportunity to respond to the message they bring. Jesus died, rose again, so you can have life. That life is for today as well as eternity. I think that's what's cool. Today, Christ unifies His people, the church, as they submit to His activity in their lives Tomorrow, the future, is eternity with Him. And then finally, this is a word to you, the church, the people of God. Yeah, we're there, good deal. Um, Our one passion is supposed to be Christ as He is establishing the kingdom of God in our midst. That's our one passion. As our leaders squeeze out the glue that holds us together, we either willingly join in or we live as if we we're outsiders. Our missional communities, by the way, just put in my last little advertisement here, my, a, a, a shameless plug, our missional communities provide the perfect atmosphere for learning to stick together with a single passion, resulting in the fear of God and the complete restoration of our lives as we represent Him in this world. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. and want to thank you for your truth, for your word. Lord, you have a plan. You have a church that you intend to be unified and walking with you, representing you in a way that, that draws people in a beautiful way to who you are and how you operate and the truth of your word. Father, we just pray for your kingdom to be built up for your body to be unified and one in you. Lord, help us to represent you. And as we, as we share in the final time together today, we pray that we would bring glory to your name as we go out from here. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.